This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tonish Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Borgosh Energy, proud sponsors of the GAA All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship and GAA Legends Tour Series of Crow Park. Hashtag hurling to the core. Hello and welcome to the throw-in with me, Michael Verney, in association with Borgosh Energy. Will is off this week, but I'm joined by Brendan Cummins and John Milan to discuss all the weekend's hurling action. We'll also hear from Dick Clerken and Martin Brenny on the Ulster and Leinster football finals later in the show. But first to hurling. John, you must have been delighted that Waters finally put the tip demons to bed at the weekend. Yeah, well, look, I suppose it's 13 years since we, we beat Tipperary, 2008. Long time coming. And in, in, in that time, I think, what well, we've played them eight times, lost seven, uh, drew once. So I think, you know, if ever there was going to be a time we were going to put it to bed, Saturday was the time. Uh, everything was, was with us with momentum. The team are playing unbelievable hurling. Uh, you know, the running game was always going to trouble Tipperary. And then you, you, the flip side of that, you know, you're coming up against a Tipperary team who some unbelievable hurlers of the, of the past 20 years, probably age profile was against them. So everyone was sta- everything was stacked in, in Waterford's favour. But they still had to go and deliver, you know, and, you know, for an awful lot of these Waterford players, uh, and all of these Tipperary players have had the Indian side over over this team, so they still had to go and deliver, and they delivered it. They delivered in, in bucket loads uh, the weekend. But great credit has to go to Tipperary, the way they battled to the end, and some of those players, you know, they owe Tipperary nothing, and you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to retire any any Tipperary lads, but if it's if it is to be their last game, you know, as Liam Sheedy. You know, alluded to they died with their they died with their boots on the weekend, and I don't think the old Tipperary hurling anything. Uh, Brendan, we'll chat a bit more about Tipperary in a minute, but just a, a word on Waterford. Um, obviously, kind of a, a mixed league campaign. Obviously, you had a, a win over Limerick and a win over Tipperary in the last round. Probably a very very flat performance against Clare. Probably flat enough against Leach. Like they've turned their season around unbelievably well. And now you'd have to say they're going into an All Ireland semi final. Fair enough, there'll be a bit of fatigue because of the amount of weeks in a row that they've played. But they have turned the season around seriously and have put themselves in with a great shout going into the, the semi final stage. Kevin, yeah, I would agree to a point. I, 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 the only time I think the Waterford were flat was the Clare game. I think they targeted Limerick and they targeted to brain the league, and every other game didn't matter. Right. So they're the ones they wanted to go well in. Um, and they did that. 
and the leash came, they had a huge amount of training done the week of the leash came, they had to load up on training, it was the only opportunity they were probably going to get. So if you think of the mindset of Liam Cahill, it's about the size of the fight and the dog. So to do that, you have to push fellas to the absolute limit in training and nearly break them, right? And when then you play a match that Sunday or Saturday, whenever they played leash, they were lucky to get across the line, but they still got across the line. But he was more looking at round two qualifier, All-Ireland quarterfinal. And you saw the explosive power that Watford had. The third quarter um, of, the, of the game against Tip, and they just absolutely blew him away. It would look exactly like Limerick is the biggest compliment I can give Watford. Um, and then they faded in the last quarter, which is something that's a worry with four weeks in a row. When Watford are humming and absolutely flying, they're playing the modern brand of hurling, wing-backs attack, and Shane Bennett, a sweeper, ends up on the opposition, 21, trying to get on it on an overlap. They have full flow of hurling. The issue for them really now is that they may need to manage it as best they can to finish the game as strong at the end as they do at the start, which isn't easy going into play the All-Ireland Champions. But when they were in full flow the weekend, they were seriously, seriously impressive. The way they worked the ball, the way they flowed, and the way they trust each other. I think Michael Dygan was on commentary. He said that, oh, it was an error of Watford running the ball up the pitch. The tip got the goal. That may be the case, but Watford, that won't stop Watford from still trying to run the ball. If you take it in the last, there was only a minute and a half left in the game when tip got the last goal chance. And Watford out under the, the high-covered stand trying to run the ball from the cornerback position, and they got turned over. But that's unbelievable bravery. And John said it there. That's what it takes to win all Ireland. And that's what impressed me the most about Watford. They have a process. They're going to stick to They're not going to lamp the ball up the pitch just because they're tired. And that's all credit to Liam Cahill and a bunch of players that he has down there who bought in completely of what they're trying to do. And that's why Watford not Ireland final last year. And they're a strong chance of getting to one again this year. But go back, go back to that Clare game, right? Connor Prunty wasn't full back. Uh, mm. Barron wasn't playing. Ozzy was back in the half back line. Kieran Bennett wasn't playing. Patrick Curran wasn't playing. So the whole dynamic of the team, Peter Hogan wasn't playing. So the whole yeah. dynamic of the team is, is after changing. Prunty is back in. He, he was a colossal there the weekend after a slow start. Barron is playing incredible hurling. Peter Hogan is playing incredible hurling. I think Aussie now, I think the penny has dropped now. Up number 14, playing that free role. That's his. That's his position. Give, give, give that. That's his position now. And I think the forward division are more comfortable knowing that they have Aussie up top. Shane Bennett has gone back centre back. Probably brings a totally different dynamic to the team in regards. You know, uh, I would say, well, who's going to replace the Burke? But Shane Bennett is attacking from centre back. Kieran Bennett wasn't playing. He's attacking from wing back. So they've they've pace coming. Yeah all over the field. They can hurt you from all over the field. And the one the one thing that is going to trouble this, this Limerick team, and if, if any team is going to have a chance or a hope of taking this Limerick team down, it's 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 a running game. Running at them. We've seen it last year in the Munster final, right? They, they never got the running game going in the all Ireland final. We've seen it in the Munster final last year when Waterford ran at them. You know, the concession of, of frees that were conceded uh, again, again, again Limerick. We've seen it in stages of the of, of the Cork game, where when Cork ran at him, they had him, they had him in all sorts sorts of bother. Tipperary, you know, probably ran out of steam, probably didn't have the legs. So I think Waterford are going into this match in a really, really, really good place. Energy, pace, and everything is with him to uh, to go and have a right crack and, and, and try and take this 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 uh, this Limerick team down. 
just a word, John, as well. Uh, your bench impact is probably even greater than last year. You had Neil Montgomery coming in, making a massive, uh, massive difference. Mikey Kiley was only a young fella. I think he's still under 20. Um, you probably have kicked on a bit more. You probably do have more options even than last year. But again, Verity, what's coming off, what's coming off the bench? You're replacing pace or you're, you're replacing speed with speed, right? Montgomery, speed. Daryl Lyons, speed. Billy Power, speed. Dunford, speed. And Michael Kiley, speed. So you're, you're taking off five lads and you're replacing them with another, with another five lads that have, that have speed. So a lot of these lads, for me, the unsung hero of this team is Jack Pendergast. I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. This man is, I mean, he's run himself into the ground. He, he typifies what this team is all about. You know, and, and I, I think if, if, if you were to ask Liam Cattle, who's the one player that you put on your team sheet from, from the start? And you're right down number one. I would say he's, he's definitely in your top three. So he knows his job. Jack Pendergast knows his job, right? I'm going to go at it. I'm going to kill myself for 50, 55 minutes. Jack Fagan uh, knows the same, you know. And, and, and now we know when Conor Gleeson comes back, he's a headache now. Will he, will he start with Conor Gleeson? Won't he start with Conor Gleeson? Because Shane McNulty was, was, was excellent. So, you know, he has serious, serious, serious options. But going into this weekend, the one, the one key thing for me is Keen Lynch. Who's gonna who's who, who's gonna tie down Keen Lynch? You know, Shane Bennett, will he be able to play that that type of centre back role that he's played the last two games? You know, I don't know because someone someone's gonna have to, someone in that back line is gonna have to sacrifice their game to go and try and tie down tie down Keen Lynch. Because as we seen last year, two years ago, you go back to when when uh, Kilkenny played Limerick, the last time Limerick were beaten. Connor Brown just, he was given a sole job. Mark Keane Lynch, took Keane Lynch out. I think that's the last time Keane Lynch was possibly marked out of a game. I mean, that's remarkable. We're going on nearly nearly two years now. So I think someone is going to have to be deployed within that Waterford forward, Waterford back line, whether it be Caelan Lines, could possibly be Shane Bennett. Uh, will Conor Gleeson come back and be, be, be designated that role? But someone's going to have to tie down, tie down Keane Lynch for Waterford to win this match the weekend. A lot of uh, interesting conundrums ahead. Uh, just from a temporary point of view, Brendan, um, obviously John mentioned there about some of the elder statesmen, you know, the likes of Paddy Marr, Brendan Marr, Noel McGrath, Seamus Callanan, um, like, and even Liam Sheedy's three-year term is up. Like, where, What do you see... 2022 looking like for Tipperary do you expect a new manager at the helm do you expect a lot of those elder statesmen to still be there I think uh, it's it's hard to know it'll depend if Liam if Liam feeds he's got the energy and the time I suppose because obviously he's got a, a seriously higher role with Kenyo that he can give another two to three years then I think he he will be the one who get the get the job um, there's always a natural attrition on, on players and again it's just the evolution of it. So I don't want to be, I suppose, prompting retirements on, on this of lads. Because I remember when I was playing and I used to hear people saying, that Cummins is finished, you should go. I was going, I'll tell you one thing. And, you know, you'd be going mad after all the work you'd have done, right? But there is, and it's natural. But Tipperary will need to change. Not massive open-heart surgery on the on the team. I think four or five spots around the base, a couple of freshness in, running the ball. Like, 
it wasn't as if Tipperary, there was passes they play, especially in the third quarter, when Waterford got a flow and got a run on tip. But you look at the last quarter, like Tipperary were 10 points to four up in that last quarter uh, and missed a goal chance, right? Now, they missed three, but one in particular, the John McGrath's one. John McGrath, two or three years ago, was sat in the net and everybody says, oh, Waterford are good, uh, but they just faded in the finish, didn't they? The usual story with Waterford, if that hit the back of the net. Whereas it's an unbelievable save from Sean O'Brien. They go up the field, Montgomery scores, Waterford score another two points, and it's Tipper, or to Waterford have routed Tipperary. So there was a real fine margin for all of the, the punches that were landed by Waterford, for all the running, for all the honest endeavour they put in. And don't get me wrong, they were fantastic on the day. It was still that save that kept them pretty much in the hunt, right? So from a tip positive point of view, it means they're not that far off. Mike Marchio came on. Dylan Quirk is there. Young Connolly is there. He's got unbelievable legs as well. He's one of he's a Caleb Lyons kind of a, a, a wing back if he got a little bit more confidence into him, which he will do. So it's not all panic for Tipperary, but there is change and there'll have to be, um, you know, from players. And management will be a key decision now in the coming weeks. I'm sure Liam will tell all uh, in the coming months as to what he's going to do. And then Tip County Board then can go about trying to find a replacement if that's the case. Or Liam can stay in situ and find um, those younger players because we won two All-Ireland under-20s not that long ago. Like. Yeah, definitely interesting you talked about uh, about change there. Cork is probably a county where a lot of change happened over the, over the winter with uh, maybe some retirements and a lot of new blood brought in. John, there, uh, I know you said it, I think it was a, a qualifier preview in your independent column a couple of weeks ago, and I think they were 16-1 to 1 at the time, and you kind of fancied them to have a good chance of getting to in around an All-Ireland final. They're, they're motoring really well now and have two big wins under their belt as well. They do, but, but, you know, you look at the teams that are left, Limerick moved the ball with pace through the lines, Waterford likewise, Cork likewise, an abundance of speed. And look, Kilkenny are, are Kilkenny, and, and look, Kilkenny are adapting to the to the to the to the modern game. And you know, Cork they have they have the players, they have they have they have serious they have serious talent. You go to their team, Dara Fitzgibbon midfield, Luke Mead who's complimenting him there, uh, Robbie O'Flynn, Speed to Burn, Jack O'Connor. It's it's just ridiculous how fast this guy is. Uh, you know, Horgan is Horgan, Harnady is bringing the experience there's a couple of lads coming off the bench and they seem to be tightening up things at the back and I did say if, if, if they got into Crow Park that they, they would be dangerous and, and I think Crow Park will actually will actually see with them uh, they came through a, a, a titanic battle with Clare got over the line you know they probably brought a, a couple of um, qualities that we didn't see see before uh, for, from within a car team and I think Brendan touched on it on, on the Sunday game last night and uh, Brendan touched on it last night they were they, they got the job done and they, they done a professional job last night uh, or, or Saturday night against the Dogs and here they are now they're in a semi-final they're playing against Kilkenny and I think they'll they'll, they'll, they'll fancy beating Kilkenny and they'll feel that you know they, they, they have they have the legs they have the speed they have the hurlers um, to take down this Kilkenny team uh, the weekend Brendan a lot of people uh, would be focusing at the Cork forward line but I know you said it last night about you know, the Cork need to get angry it's probably an anger that needs to come all over the pitch but there's definitely uh, seems to be a lot more steel in their defence now I think they have a lot more uh, probably dedicated man markers like the likes of Jerm Ellerick and even um, 
uh, Niall O'Leary and a couple of others that can kind of nullify uh, guys. They've only conceded three goals in this year's championship, one a game maybe compared to they were conceding far bigger scores last year. Is, is it at the back where really that foundation is set while they do all the nice things up front? If they can keep that kind of steeliness and solidness at the back, they will be even they're going to be hard beaten if they can keep that. Yeah, they will. I think Downey, um, Cahillan Ferguson was doing full back, but he was doing fine and surviving. I think what Downey gives him in there is athleticism. Remember Hugh Lawler, what he did in the um, in the Leinster final. The modern fullback now needs to always have pace, be strong, be good on the ball. And there's sometimes a freshness can be brought to it when you put a new guy in there. Now, Collins is playing really well in the goals as well. His puck outs have been exceptionally good. So it takes the pressure off your back line as well if the goalie can hit the ball and find his targets up the pitch so you can get set for the next round. You're not caught in a counter-attack all the time. So that has helped also. But uh, Mellorick, I was extremely impressed with him. He did a man-marking job on Sutcliffe. And I watched the game... What, when I watched it the second time, when the ball was going in, Mellorick just kept looking out the pitch to see where Sutcliffe was. So that means he's coachable. The same way with Luke Mead. Luke Mead, like we slated him last year, he didn't track runners against Tipperary, all that kind of stuff. He was a lovely hurler, right? That's a nice way of saying he's great hands, but he can't work. But he can work now. And in fairness to Kingston and his backroom team, like they've got an all-star backroom team down in Cork. So if they couldn't make it work, it would have been a, a shame, really, in a lot of ways. They're all now fighting like dogs, O'Connor, like um, John said there. Like, if you take any fellow Mark John Milan, it's hard to get the, back, the ball back out past him as there was to stop him with the ball coming through you. And that's the hallmark of good forwards. They start, they're the first defender when they lose the ball. And it just sets an attitude back across the pitch. And that's what they're doing now. Uh, so, Cork are well set. The reason I had a typical Kenny was that three weeks in a row, it's tough going. To be fair, now Cork had a massive game against Clare. Obviously, the Dublin game, they got eight points up. They kept ticking over for the last three quarters then and kept it at eight points or so. But Kilkenny are going to bring a fair bit of fight to this one now. So if Cork have it in the legs, I've no doubt that they'll be able to run Kilkenny. But that's the question. Do they do they have it in the legs with three weeks in a row? It's That's the question mark for me. Lads, I, I'm, I'm not buying into this. this, this sorry, Brendan. Like this... This three, four weeks in a row, I, I would have said maybe 10 years ago, back back in our time, I would have said, Jay, like, and look, you look at the Cork and the Waterford team, the age profile is with them. Like, if if if, if these were two teams that were, were pushing on in, in, in age, I would say, well, yeah, may, maybe, maybe the three, four weeks in a row is, is going to catch up with them, but... I, I'm I, I'm not convinced about. It. I, I actually think it's gonna it's gonna play into to Waterford and Cork's hands. I think look look at the condition that an awful lot of these 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 guys are in. It's just it's just incredible the the, the, the condition they're in, and you know to, to get into that condition to, to 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 play that to perfect that running game that Cork Waterford are playing. What are they doing in training? So. I don't see it being. Don't see the three or four weeks a problem. I, I think. I think the condition these lads are in. I, I think they'll they'll, they'll, yeah, more, they're... they'll more than manage it. And I think from a car point of view, the one problem they have the weekend, and and I seen him himself. He was brilliant uh, sitting in the pocket. He, he got an amount of the ball the weekend. Was uh, was Barry Coleman. I was at the match, the Dublin Dublin car game. But Donald Burke picked off five points, and he could have had another three. So he could have easily had eight points from play. So what are what are Cork going to do the weekend if if TJ lands in at number eleven? 
Mark Coleman is not going to be able to sit in the pocket and, 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 and sit in front of the D. So it's 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 a bit of a headache for, for, for Kieran Kingston. What's he going to do? Is he going to move, is he going to move Jared Melrick back or is he going to drop a midfielder back? Um, but that is that is going to be a big problem. Like Mark Coleman, he's not going to like if he's not going to be able to sit back in the pocket if, if TJ's at number eleven because Donald Burke got on a whirl of ball, hit Mark Coleman for five points, and he could have very easily had another three or four, albeit Mark Coleman hit an awful lot of ball. John, the only thing I would say on that, like if you take it Watford when they played Galway, was it fourteen points they were up going down the last quarter, and you remember the heart attack that was going on when Galway started scoring a load of goals. They were eight points up against Tipperary, who were Maria and Leggy team, old and finished. And they got it back to within two points and butchered three unbelievable goal chances. So, and when I saw Watford, like it is, I know they're, they're unbelievably conditioned, but look at their last quarter performances the last two times. They invest a huge amount of energy in the first three quarters of the game, which is they're going at it bald-headed, which is fine. The soaps come in and not, but just the evidence of the last two games of that Galway and Tipperary game, you know, you give Limerick that kind of opportunity with freshness of legs that will be obviously four or five times up the notch of Tipperary for legs in the last quarter. It it, it just has an, an impact. And that's why our game two years ago, when they had the three games in a row, they changed it because the sports science was saying the teams were biting off the GPSs in that last quarter. And that is my worry for, for Watford um, in this one. Now, emotion is a big thing and it might carry him across the line. Um, I hope it does. I'd like to see Watford get to a final. But it's just the evidence is just stacked slightly on that. Yeah, it's going to be really, really interesting to see. Uh, obviously, a couple of the other games in the lower tiers at the weekend. Uh, my own Offaly put up a, a massive score against Derry. It was 41 points to 214. I think it's a Crow Park record for points scored. And I think it's a record for uh, final uh, scoring in a final as well. 41 points. I don't think has ever been done anything like that. John, just a word on Offaly. Um, obviously... Like it was a kind of a clinical, comprehensive campaign between league and championship, and they're they're not back exactly where they want to be, but they're one step closer up the ladder anyway. Yeah, and look, look, I'm I'm not I'm not saying it just because uh, you know uh, I, I know Michael Dynan, but it's amazing what what one man when going in and taking over the 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 helm there, and you know. Be, be becoming becoming chairman, you know, he with young, fresh ideas. It's it's no coincidence then they push on and they win the under 20 football. You know, Michael Fenley is, is brought in. You know, he, Michael Fenley kind of they missed out last year. They 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 were probably a bit below par against down, but you know, this year they've they've been racking up the scores, putting up big scores, and there seems to be just a big feel awfully GAA as a, as a whole and, and it's fantastic to see and I think you know to back up to Joe McDonough uh, Division 1 hurling is secured you know awfully hurling is, is going in the right direction and, 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 and it's fantastic to see and, and I think the sooner the better that they're back up and competing to leave McCarthy hurling the better for, for the whole hurling fraternity as a whole um, I think will be will 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 will, will be massive for, for the GA and I just think it's it, it's great to see uh, and I just think awfully GA as a whole they seem to be in a really 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 good place you know yeah uh, obviously the McDonald Cup next year awfully will be going into that Antrim will be coming back down so that's going to be very competitive just uh, uh, Brendan obviously in the Nicky Rackard as well Keith Higgins has had a lot of uh, Crow Park heart uh, heartbreak 
Uh, great to see him getting his hands on silverware there. And even Cottle Freeman, I think, who was wing back uh, last year, he went up centre forward and scored one three. A massive, massive win for them against Tyrone. Yeah, it's huge, and it is. It's it's great, and and there's there's times in the in the GA where you have that sentimental look at it and go, God, that's great. Keith Higgins is is has found his way up the steps of Croke Park. I suppose he may have thought to himself it might be lifting the Sam Maguire. But either way, you know, it just shows the dedication of the man. And in these counties, and I've obviously in my involvement with Kerry over a number of years, I've been up in, in Mayo and played them above in, in Castlebar and things like that. I know the passion of the outliers, I suppose we call it, in Hurland. And Keith Higgins could easily have said, look, I've done my bit in football. Look, I'm just going to put on the slippers now and watch a few games and do a bit of punditry and sit in the fence for a while, right? But no, he has a passion for the GA and he has a passion for Mayo Hurland. And that'll tell you how strong Mayo Hurland is up in the pockets that are playing it up there in that he decided he was going to, to go again and put himself out there. And he got his rewards and, and fair play to him for putting in the, the effort that he has. You know, it's, it's, it's a fantastic win for Mayo. Yeah, well deserved, definitely. Just to mention, uh, for Fermanagh, did a big win against Cavan in the Laurie Mar. Tom Keenan hit three two as well. I think his manager described him as a wee superstar. I think he'd be uh, he'd be dining out on that three two for a while there, uh, lads. It would be remiss of uh, of us to not talk about Joe Canning's re- retirement. Obviously retired uh, last week. I was down in Galway at the time. He was actually at the races the same day he retired. Uh, my abiding memory of him. I remember playing a Fitzgibbon Cup match against Lit over in Lit. Real hostile atmosphere. He had a hamstring injury coming into the game. Strained it after about 15 minutes and was walking over the sideline. When the ball went over the sideline, he was just about to be taken off. He stayed on to hit the sideline, put the sideline over the bar and then, and then walked off. Uh, a phenomenal talent. Uh, Brendan, just your own memories on him. I, I know you've you, you kind of mentioned it maybe during the week and you mentioned last night. To, to try and eyeball him as he was coming through on goal or to even, like I presume there was an element of fear almost when you see a lad like that coming at you when you're in the goals because you just know what he can do. Yeah, there's an element of, well, I just go for the pucking out hurley and get ready for it because standing here isn't going to make much of a difference if he hits it right. But I said last night, he hits it so early, he hits it so fast. Like Paul Flynn of Watford was the other guy that had the same kind of wrist set, and John will know will have known Paul. Um, just the speed at which the ball goes, it's it's just different and faster. And um, there's no doubt the pressure that Joe had on him every time he played. Like, if he didn't play well, more often than not, Galway were bet. And most teams knew it. And he took some hardship. If you think of the belt that Paddy Maher hit him out under the stand there in the, the Hogan stand one day. Do you know? And it was just like... He was being bet around the place most of the time. Um, but for me, the, the, the key for Joe was his highlights reel is obviously going to be unbelievable. I said before, his lake of Gwaih could go on for three days and you still have enough footage for a couple more. But the way he adapted and came out to play centre forward, uh, he was always pinned against Henry. Can you influence the game like Henry can? You know, And I think for a while he rebelled against it, but then suddenly he decided, right, I'm going to play at eleven. And that day in the All-Ireland final against Watford, like he pinged over early on a couple of points and settled down the troops. He was hooking, he was blocking, he was working back. He did all the dirty work, I suppose. Uh, and that, for me, was the most impressive part of Joe on top of the obvious skill that he had, you know. But he was, he's been a fantastic ambassador for the game and it's a pity to see him go at 32, though. It just shows where the game has gone that Joe Canning has to pack in now and I would say has been still relatively young, like. John, where does he rank among the Pantheon of Greats for you? Oh, he's he's right up there. Uh, the last look, we we've we've been lucky enough. We've witnessed some incredible horrors in the last twenty five years. 
Uh, I definitely haven't. You know, you talk Tommy Welsh, Henry Shefflin, JJ Delaney, the, the, the horrors, Callan. I definitely have him in the top three of the last 25 years. And look, he's going to be a name we're going to be talking about. And I said on the radio Saturday, he's going to be a name we're going to be talking about in 60, 70 years' time. And I just feel... I think it's the right. I think it's the right call. I'm delighted Joe is is is, is doing it. I think is I think he, I think he's making the right call. You know, he could he could hold on for be a 20, 25 minute man this year. I said you know he should have been probably full forward. But then again, you look at the Waterford Galway game, and you look at the ball that was going into him, and you had one guy and nearly two guys in front of him. And you're kind of saying to yourself, well, Jesus. Did, did the Wexford or did the Galway management help him this year? But then again, I look at the, the, the Dublin game and I think there was one pass to play where he had three or four yards on a lad and, you know, a couple of years ago, Joe put the ball over with, he, with his eyes closed. I think it was Dara Gray got, got a hook on him and I said, you know, maybe that, that yard is starting to go. And I just think you kind of know very... You know, and when you're when you're when you have it in the back of your mind, will I or won't I go? I think if, if you're if if it's if it's in your mind at all, I think the best thing is to do is, is to go. And I think Joe is going out on his own terms, you know. And I don't think he, from what I love about Joe is that I want to remember Joe Cannon for all them great scores. I wouldn't like to see him staying on for another year or two and, you know, another lad get a hook in or a block in and, you know, probably slowing down another small bit. Um, so I think, all in all, I think Joe is, has made the right call and I think, uh, I think from, um, from a Galway Hurling point of view, I think he's put a bit of pressure on, on the other lads to possibly go the same route and probably step away and uh, leave, leave Galway Hurling go in, in, in a different direction now. But, as 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 Brendan touched on, what a remarkable hurler and an unbelievable hurler, and uh, you know he's going to be a big loss to the game, but he's going to be one lad we're going to be talking about in, in 60, 70 years time, you know, no doubt yeah. about it. Yeah, I think John too. Uh, the the tipping point for him, I watched the game in Salt Hill, uh, and when he's marking Caleb uh, at wing back, he got three points and he just streaked away. And I know talking to a few of the past Tipperary hurlers who have retired. It's the one thing they said when they couldn't catch the guy going away, he just streaked away from it. It was time to go. And better to go a year too soon than a year too late. So Joe has made good decisions on the pitch. And I'd agree with you. He's made a, a good decision here, although it is sad to say that he won't be gracing the fields again. But we can remember him starting and finishing matches rather than just coming on for five minutes, which is the way we should remember it. Great stuff. Brendan and John, thanks a million for joining us. Oh, what a very... Let's turn our attention to football now on the throw-in in association with Ford Gosh Energy. And I'm delighted to be joined by Dick Turkin and Martin Brenny to look back on the Ulster and Leinster finals. Dick, after your native Monaghan went down by a point to Tyrone at the weekend, it must be a case of a lost opportunity for the Farney men. Yeah, listen, aside from all the, the preamble and everything that's well documented from a purely sporting performance point of view, uh, like, yeah, it was a lost opportunity. And uh, when the dust settles and gays reflect, you know, it's, you know, that first half performance just, you know, just left them, wouldn't say too much to do. Like, they did get it back, but they had to invest a lot of energy in the second half. But even saying that, like, how, wouldn't say dominant that they were in the second half, but come on, that was a game that you know, that was a, that was a game that, sh- that sh- I wouldn't say should have won, but, but could have won when you when you consider how, 
let's be honest, how poor they were in the first half, but equally the missed chances that they also had in the second half right throughout. And uh, it'll, it'll hurt. Like, it's, it's and you know, yourself from playing, you know, you'll always lose games. Like, only one team goes through a full year every year, you know, that, that wins, it, wins it out. So everyone has to suffer a, and deal with defeat in, in the winter months. But and it's when you don't perform, you know, really gets you. You never mind losing a game if you've you put out your best foot forward and, and uh, you know, you're beaten by the better team. Monning just perform. A lot of players didn't perform. And that, that'll hurt because if that was a game to be won and an Ulster title to be won that was left behind um, would be the sense. Myself, anyway, and from, from talking to a few people already around the country, that would be the sense. Uh, Martin, just for, from a Tyrone point of view, uh, obviously new management in this year, even though they, they only had uh, one of the giant managers at the weekend uh, with their own bit of kind of COVID chaos. Um, taking everything into account, first year in charge for Brian Dewar and Fergal Logan, the, the guys, the personnel that they had missing at the weekend, uh, it was a fair performance from Tyrone. And uh, obviously it may be a different type of performance, uh, a different type of style maybe that, than we have been accustomed to over recent years as well. Yeah, I mean, it's target achieved for the first season, uh, the first target achieved anyway, winning the Ulster title, which is obviously the most competitive of all the provincial championships. So they'll be very pleased with that. And, you know, there's a tendency perhaps to say, well, that's as far as it goes. I'm not so sure about that. I mean, they've, 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 they've worked well and they've, they've, they're playing a slightly different style. And, you know, it, it was a workmanlike, decent performance. And Dick makes the point there about Monaghan being, uh, you know, sort of... Uh, Perhaps you know, matches that could have uh, left behind them, and inevitably that will happen, I suppose, when a team loses by a point, and that makes it all the more difficult, particularly for Monaghan, who lost Tyrone by a point a few years ago as well. But Tyrone, I suppose, they did the groundwork in the first half, and uh, when Monaghan came back at them, it 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 was still it was still uh, Monaghan had to be foot to the floor more than 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 Tyrone, and 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 the effort and the energy it took to to to, to stage that comeback, obviously perhaps took its toll but again the finest of margins and you can look at every angle and look at every break and everything like that and it's just just one of those games that unfortunately somebody had to lose and on this occasion as indeed it was a few years ago it was Monaghan's it was Monaghan's turn and or it was Monaghan again and they will be disappointed with that but yeah job done for, for Tyrone good start good, a good uh, good good campaign and uh, they, they're, they're, uh, they'll take it from here and we'll 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 fancy their chances against Kerry. I know everybody is saying, "Oh, well, Kerry are the, will win the All Ireland and all this," but Toronto will come in nice and nice and steady. They 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 will be a lot better than they were when they play Kerry in the league. That's for sure. So it's by no means a certainty that they won't be in the final. Dick, do Tyrone come into this in an ideal scenario? Almost, you know, having shipped all those goals against Kerry in the league, they probably have a massive uh, point to prove from that league match. Uh, there's probably a lot less expectation on them coming into that game. They've been going about their bit, like they've beaten Donegal, albeit maybe a Donegal team that was that was missing Michael Murphy for the, for the bulk of the game. They've beaten Monaghan. They've won a lot of big games along the way, and they're probably still maybe been underrated. Yeah, it, it's exactly how you'd want a team going in, like as I say, and, and it probably wasn't that well documented. The players at the loss at the last minute, and that's not easy for any team to. To try and deal with, and the fact that they have it, like they ha- it proves how strong their panel is that they were able to sort of slot in players and, and didn't seem to really take away from the overall. So the fact that they got through the Monaghan game, having to suffer that, they'll all be back in all likelihood, and don't don't seem to see that there's any injury worries. So they're coming on in under sort of very little expectation, even I'd say up around their own uh, county. Um, Tron Kerry, 
rivalry doesn't need any introduction. You'd, you'd imagine that they add a bit of spice into it, in fairness to them. Trolling, you know, in terms of game, gamesmanship and sportsmanship, you could have asked them better of them. Come on, and that's not something we've always seen. Whether that was just for that game, considering everything happened, I, I find it hard to believe that they're just going to walk up against Kerry, knowing that they literally have to get everything out of themselves and try and bring Kerry back to them some way to try and make it competitive. Um, so I expect Throne to add a wee bit more more space at the semi-final and try and upset and frustrate that carry forward line because, you know, it, it's a very different challenge than what Monaghan posed from an attacking point of view in, in the semi-final. Dick, just a word on, on Matty Donnelly uh, the other day. I know Darren McCurry maybe has been seeing the headlines and obviously he's had an unbelievable so, season so far. But Matty Donnelly, I suppose, had a, a kind of a career-threatening hamstring injury a couple of years ago. Um, he's back at his very best. And I know he said after the game that he's happy just to be pitching in and helping out other lads in the full forward line. But he was back to his very best the other day. He was, but it was interesting the role he played. Like, was it him, was it last year? Throne went down. Was it against Johnny Gall, I think, and maybe a semi-final lunch? And he was playing like a, a sweeper role or a very withdrawn defensive role tracking and, and offered very little forward threat. Whereas look at this year, he was bumped in a number 14 and, and by and large played a, a fairly traditional 14 role in the modern game, whatever that might be. Was an outlet physically strong, you know, he's near next to near impossible to dispossess because of the strength and turn of pace of, of both feet chipped in with a few excellent points. So he's a really good outlet. But, you know, it's all well and good playing good full forwards. You've got to have the supply. You've got to have a team willing to look forward and drop the ball in. And Throne, crucially, have done that uh, this year, which, which other teams don't. Yeah, they play a good man in the square, but they don't kick the ball in. I would argue that's where Monaghan fell down. Monaghan equally as good a man inside and didn't let speculative ball in that Throne did. Matty's benefiting, McCurry's benefiting, and McShane, who's coming back to his milk, will benefit from that if they continue the way that they're going. But yes, he, he maybe doesn't have the legs that he that he had with suffering from that injury, and, and maybe it takes a while to come back. So deploying on the edge of the square is, is a good tactic from Duger and Logan. I think that dummy solo definitely uh, yeah, highlighted a lad that's f- fairly full of confidence anyway. And that, that semi-final against Kerry is going to be really, really interesting in two weeks' time. Uh, just looking at the Leinster final, Martin, you were obviously in there in Crow Park yesterday. Um, I don't know, it's probably one of the few times in recent years where you could say that Dublin maybe are kind of stuttering to a Leinster title. I think it was the lowest winning margin since 2013. It was the first time since 2005 that they haven't scored a goal in a Leinster final. They're still getting the they're still getting the job done. They they still like the maybe the aura of invincibility that we talked about over the last, you know, on route to six in a row isn't there. But they are still getting the job done, it has to be said. Yeah, and I mean let's be realistic about it. There was there was hardly ever, there was never a doubt yesterday about who was going to win. I mean, as a as a game progressed. Anytime I think I think Colin McKees made the point in the paper this morning that every time um, Kildare scored, Dublin got the next score. So you never felt that Kildare were going to were actually going to win it. I think one the one thing you would there was still a chance for Kildare to give it to test Dublin more. And what was really frustrating for Kildare supporters was the number of chances the number of chances they missed in the first half in particular. They missed a free area on to put them two on ahead. And then I think there were three, if not four, uh, high balls lobbed into the goalkeeper's hands, and and that is so frustrating. It's so it sets the opposition up, and no better opposition than Dublin to be set up from that sort of situation. At least it was kicked dead. It would it would uh, put some pressure on the restart, perhaps. But so uh, Kildare had those chances. They didn't they didn't take them, and you've got to take them against Dublin to really push it on 
and and even when they got the goal, they, they again it was as if it just just uh, Dublin just lifted it again. So yeah, I mean the whole everybody's saying, well, where, where are Dublin and uh, they have they gone back? And perhaps they have, but it's now it starts. Now they, they were always going to win Leinster. Okay, they didn't win it by the runaway matches that we've seen over the, over over many years, but. Uh, they're still they're, they're still in half lot going for them and I personally cannot understand why they're not favourites for the All-Ireland I mean the team that hasn't lost what's it 44 games now so going back to 2015 and, and there's a view that a Kerry team that lost to a team uh, just out of Division 3 last year that they're the favourites I don't quite understand that but no I think Dublin Dublin they certainly need they, they they will have to raise it more there's no doubt about that Mayo will be, will be a lot better than anything they've played so far but um the, 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 the potential, the capacity is there. We've seen it before. And uh, I'd, whether it's enough to win or not, I don't know. But they'll certainly be a lot better, I would think, in the next uh, next outing. Dick, how vulnerable do you think the Dubs are? Not very. Like, yeah, you have to be relative here, like, in, in terms of it is going to take an extremely good team to beat them, right? Irrespective. And, and that's, so it, it's really, and, and has been the case over the last number of years. Like, any team... You know, at the, at the top, even Dublin, maybe they're a wee bit back on their on their high levels of consistency. They're still a very very good team, so it is going to take a very very good team plus one to beat them. So the challenge is to Mayo first, and then a likely a, a Kerry to come up to that level on that one day. You know, so it's it's really down to me. I don't I don't expect Dublin to to come back any further than they have. There'll still be a twenty points team in Crow Park. That's 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 their level, and they've proven that, and they don't need to prove that anymore. So it's really now, well, well, can you see Mayo hitting Dublin for twenty points in a semi final, and 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 having the staying power to to to, to get into the the seventy fifth, seventy sixth minute? Because that's where it'll come down to. That's the fine margins that Dublin time and time and again have been better. They, they don't have to be better than teams at semi final and all their final by five, ten, twenty points. This measure that we're looking and comparing them back at Lancers. Martin said that's gone. We forget about Lancers. Doesn't really the margins don't matter. They just need to be one point better than Mayo, one point better than Kerry. And there's nothing to say that they won't be because they're still an excellent team. The interesting thing from yesterday I took from was the the, the reintroduction or or the reappearance of the likes of Owen Merchant, John Small. You know these guys who add that pace and a wee bit of a wee bit of X factor to what at other times can be a quite a, a vanilla team in terms of how they play and move. So if they can get, you know, Small just got a bit of a knock in the head. I don't think he, he, he tweaked his hamstring. They can get another two weeks behind them. Like those two players alone add an awful lot to that Dublin team than what we've seen so far in, in, in Leinster. So as I say, they're, they're probably in a good enough position as well when you talk about Tyrone and that. They're probably on an upward trajectory because everyone has them down so low. But they're now getting better than what we've seen so far. So, listen, I, I expect them, you know, to, to put up a big performance against Mayo. But at the end of the day, it's up to Mayo to try and bring it. Don't expect Dublin to come back any further and give them a handy semi-final win. That's just not going to happen. Yeah, I think Desi Farrell said afterwards that Robbie McDade will probably come into the equation as well for the All-Ireland semi-final too. So that's another one of their frontliners back. Uh, Martin, just a word on, on Kildare. Uh, like most of the spotlight is going to be on Dublin and maybe the, you know, the gap not been as big as before. Uh, do you think, like with Division One secure, the Leinster final place, I think they conceded two goals throughout league and championship this year, having conceded five and one half against Mead uh, last year in the semi final. Have they put some of the building blocks in place to potentially close that gap to Dublin in Leinster and at least, 
leave themselves in, in that in that you know position where they're going to be fighting at the top table in Division One next year, and they have the opportunity, I suppose, to to grow a bit over the next couple of years. Well, statistically, the year was a success, but we in promotion to Division One this year. It was it was a strange league. Now, let's be fair; it was it was a three round league and a final. Then, and you know they they could have ended up playing. Uh, for instance, playing playing Mayo, it was just the, 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 the narrow margins that, that got them into the. But yeah, they got into Division One. I think they'll find it pretty hard in Division One. I have to say, and they were quite lucky to be in the Leinster final. Where Smith had a notion of chances late on, and the semi final didn't take them. So, look, there's always a positive air around with a team that improved on the year before. When uh, statistically speaking, anyway, that they're they're better than they were last year. It's about, but uh, I wouldn't get. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Uh, Feel that that they're ready to make any big push and 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 closing the gap with, with Dublin just yet. I mean, I really wouldn't. I thought it was it was it was an average enough uh, performance by them. They didn't they didn't really test Dublin. I mean, you just wonder how much more was in Dublin if 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 they had to. If, if Kildare got a second goal, for instance, uh, uh, well, you still felt Dublin would, would would press on, and that was the feeling all through. And it looked to some degree, perhaps, if Kildare were in a containing mode and the last thing they wanted was, and naturally and understandably, not to be beaten by 12, 15, 20 points as happened before teams in Leinster and need to Kildare too. So, uh, yeah, it's a work in progress. You know, uh, the results suggest they're, they're, they're better and, they're, and that will raise confidence and that's what it's all about. But I wouldn't be just, I wouldn't be just uh, saying there's any great lily white, lily white uh, big flourish on the way just yet. Just a quick word, Dick. Uh, we've kind of briefly looked at the All-Ireland semi-finals. We won't really be chatting football on the throw-in until, until probably after the All-Ireland, first All-Ireland semi-final. Uh, just go, looking, at, looking at Tyrone and Kerry, like, who, who do you, like, what do you see there? Tyrone are coming in probably as underdogs, um, probably have a good few questions to answer after that league game. But how do you, how do you see that game going? And even just in the, the Dublin Mayo game, game as well, a lot of people are saying that this is the year for Mayo to, to beat Dublin and then somehow lose an All-Ireland final again. But how do you see those two All-Ireland semi-finals going? Yeah, Tyrone, it'd be interesting to see Ty. I have to say I was very impressed with the way Tyrone's sort of approached the modern game and the way they deployed Niall Morgan. That takes a lot of... of um, Courage from a man. Fortitude. Fortitude. I wasn't going to use the, the, the other word, the past the watershed. But, like, you know, to come up with something like that on a day like that and it could go horribly wrong, but it went, hor- it went perfectly right. Can they come up with something novel for, for the Kerry team? Like, they're going to have to try and find a way to really sort of stamp out and, and basically suffocate the space for that Kerry. So, I, I don't think it's going to be particularly pleasant. I think they'll recognize that if they go out man for man, in all likelihood, you could see a, a likely repeat of what happened down in Killarney. So I think it'll be quite a, a tight, sticky game and try and play them on the break and hit them in pace. Leaving Mahi Donnelly and McCurry inside because, as I say, they'll know that there's scores in there. That they, they can't keep... They're not going to... Throne can't think they can beat Kerry by just suppressing their attack. They're going to have to score 16 points plus. So they're going to have to try and fast break, long ball, and see can the guys do damage. Like I'd fancy, I'd say Matty Donny would, would fancy his chances against that uh, Kerry full back line if he can get quick one-on-one ball because physically he's all there and he'd be able to take his man on. So tight defence, fast break, long ball um, from, from Tyrone. In terms of Mayo Dublin, it's all about pace for Mayo. They'll have to be sort of thinking that is Dublin's legs gone a wee bit and they're just tired as, 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 the, as the years of, of dominance slowly catching up in them because they haven't shown that pace and energy that we know, so they're just going to have to run at them. I'd say James Horn says, "Listen, that's every chance you get. Break the line, run, 
that wee bit better than Kildare were able to do. Kildare and Ferns tried yesterday. Martin, I know what you're saying in, in terms of Kildare. They competed. They just didn't have enough enough confidence in terms of trying to break that line from the middle third. I expect Mayo Washing one and Paddy Dork and Lee Keegan, wherever they can get energy from, break the line over the top and just try and run Dublin down um, and see can Dublin lift the energy levels because they have to. Dublin will need more energy than they've seen. Otherwise, the, the Mayo runners will get in behind them and uh, if well, they can finish those chances that they'll create, will determine where that game will go. Call your All-Ireland final pair in, Dick, please. And go and carry Mayo. Yeah, I do think, I think, I think, I think, I think Dublin are, they're there to be beaten. And I think, I think Mayo really have a, have a chance. These young guys, like they've got serious pace and, and, and maybe there's a wee bit of, of, of devil may care attitude about them that maybe previous generations didn't have. No baggage, just, just go for it and it'll be a wee bit better than they were last year. And I think, um, no. It could be totally proven wrong and, and Dublin are just pacing themselves for a big semi-final. But again, based on how they've performed so far, I guess three games in the bounce. They haven't done that in 10 years, really, or, or, or back to the everything started. So based on their form, you have to say that there's just something missing there that they have to prove that it's not there. If they can't come up to the level that they know they can, it's, it's a game that Mayo can win. Same question for you, Martin. Uh, I'll learn in final pair and I'm white. Uh, Dublin and Kerry. I think uh, if 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 Mayo played uh, as they did in the first half against Galway, against a limited enough Galway team, and if they did that against Dublin, then they uh, they'd be they'd be they'd be in serious trouble. I think they haven't beaten Dublin in, in league or championships since 2012. I don't know such time as they do. Where I'd have to stay stay with, Do- with Dublin because I think I just think there's there there obviously are more doubts about Mayo. Uh, I think Kerry will win the other side. Uh, but uh, again, it, 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 it's certainly not the foregone conclusion people might think. So I think it'll be Dublin Kerry, and uh, you know what? I think I think the seven in a row is on for Dublin. An exciting few weeks ahead, lads. Dick and Martin, thanks a million for joining us. Yes, folks, take care. That's all we've got time for in this week's episode of the Throwing in association with Four Gosh Energy. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. And we'll be back next Monday for more GA discussion. Board Gosh Energy, proud sponsors of the GAA All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship and GAA Legends Tour Series of Crow Park. Hashtag hurling to the core.